Welcome back to another episode of the College Football Overdrive Podcast. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, you guys will hear a different voice with me. I don't have my esteemed colleague with me today, but I do have a special treat for you, especially for you Miami Hurricane fans. You know what I mean. Friend of the show, Cam Underwood, State of the U. What's going on, Cam? Not a whole lot, as I'm so sorry about that notification. One of my friends just texted me as we're getting started here. But, man, good to be back on the microphone with you, man. Well, you know, I was talking to you on the phone the other day, but uh, good to share the conversation with the people. Definitely, 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 man. The people have clamored to get you back here. And I said, man, let me hit my boy up. Let me see what's going on. We had a big win last week against the other Miami that said they would do things to us that – uh, I, I'm still waiting on those things to happen, you know, when, you know, brothers of quarterbacks who didn't live up to the bill, you know, make comments. But, hey, whatever. You I know. mean, look, I will give them half uh, half credit on that because that was a, like, tongue-in-cheek question from a local beat reporter who, mm-hmm. like, had to goat him. Uh, it's the Gabbert brother, the younger, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Um, but, yeah, the younger Gabbert brother was the quarterback of Miami of Ohio. And the local, you know, journalist was like, Hey, so who's the real Miami? And he was like, he's like, so when when you play on Friday, like who's gonna show who? Like he had to like really spoon feed it to him when he finally was like, all right, man, I'll say what you like are trying to lead me to. But it wasn't like he came off the top rope with that of his own volition. Um, but you know, thirty eight to three, regardless, yeah, we did numbers, they did not. Let's move on. Definitely, definitely. So let's pay the bills real quick, right? So I always want to make sure that we get the the promotion done, right? So make sure you go follow the show. At CFB Overdrive, you can follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. You can also find my esteemed colleague who keeps it straight, no chaser. He is on the road right now uh, getting back so we can get the, the picks and predictions in on tomorrow. Uh, don't want to leave you guys out. I know you guys miss us. So make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Rick Brown 91 You know, he had a question that he had to answer. When would Miami get their next win and score their next touchdown. He was throwing lots of shade at us, Cam. Uh, I'm sorry that he's not here so he could, you could get your revenge on that. But it's all right. It's all right. We we went ahead and checked off both of those boxes, right? So, uh, Cam, where can they find you? Because you're all over. Well, the first place, obviously, is stateoftheu.com. We're open 24-7, 365. Please come on over and fan with us and the great staff we have there. Lots of great content about Miami Hurricanes Athletics, lots of football content, even a welcome to the U. For a bucket-getting uh, 6'4 shooting guard who wears the Underwood family number 2-4 on the hardwood, so got a uh, one of the best offensive basketball recruits since Lonnie Walker to commit uh, to the U, so that's up on the website uh, and plenty more. So again, that's stateoftheu.com on all your socials at the state of the U and my personal Twitter account or X account, whatever you want to call it is at Underwood sports. We have officially said there is no X here. It is still Twitter. It's it, there's a few things we call, we, we keep the original name that game Amen. between Georgia and, and Florida, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't care what y'all want to call it. That's what it's called. Texas, Oklahoma, red river shootout. It's going to happen. I don't care what y'all want to call it. We're calling mm-hmm. it this. We're, some things you just cannot change. Amen. So, Cam, we brought you here to talk Texas A&M and Miami. The return match from last year where if there was a little bit of offense, just a smidge of offense, might have a different outcome. Last week, the Canes faced off against the aforementioned Miami, Ohio, those Red Hawks. 
Uh, we talked about off off air. We talked about your good, bad, and ugly uh, over at State of the U, and we were referencing how long it's been since the Canes actually got a win. Two hundred and ninety three days, three hundred and fifty six days away from the Rock. That's where how long it's been since we won at home. That's a long time. It's a long time, and like I think that you know maybe the off season kind of gave everybody. Uh, welcome to Amnesia. I was talking to Manny Navarro and a couple other people in the press box before the game, and he was like, "Um, did everybody forget? Like, we won the first two games, or Miami won the first two games at home in the 2022 season, and then lost every single game at home from there on. Middle Tennessee, North Carolina, Duke, Florida State, and Pittsburgh, and gave up 40 points in four of those and had that heartbreaking three-point loss to North Carolina mixed in as well. Like, it was a long time, and it was so long that's why I looked it up and, you know, there's a great, you know, websites for days until or days since counting. And I had to go look it up and I was like, wait, yeah, how long had it been since we won? You know, almost a full calendar year from September 10th to September 1st uh, was what it was. So, yeah, really crazy. But um, we're trying to put all of that behind us, move forward in a new direction. And I think that the first step of that path in a new direction was the win against the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio. But uh, this is a much Stronger test coming up this Saturday. Definitely a stronger test. Uh, offense was devoid last year. It seemed like really every game, but this one was, it seemed like this one was the start of what ended up being a, a very yucky season. I want to, re- I don't want to remember that season. Knowing what we had, it, it was a tough, it was tough sledding. It is what it is, but we li- we're leaving last year behind us. How do we right the wrong? of last year's offensive woes against Texas A&M? Well, you know, the thing about it was it was finishing drives, really. Um, you know, if I'm looking at the, the game logs rushing, Miami actually had their second best rushing game of the year against Texas A&M. Well, you're going to throw out the F, uh, the uh, FCS game against Bethune-Cookman because, like, that didn't count, really. But in terms of yards per carry, almost five you know, 175 yards on 36 carries. So the third most yardage uh, behind Southern Miss, which was 177, and then Georgia Tech, which was 217. So two yards from being the second best output and the second highest non-FCS yards per play or yards per rush at 4.86 behind the Georgia Tech 4.93. That actually gave Miami the ability to hold on to the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, Tyler Van Dyke was only 50% passing. Uh, he was running for his life on every single drop back um, and everything. So you're going to really look for, hopefully, the efficiency to continue from what we saw. And this was a big thing. After week two, heading into the Texas A&M game last year, that's when I wrote that piece about the lack of offensive explosion that everybody jumped down my throat about. If you haven't seen it, it's still up on stateoftheview.com. But I said through two weeks, Miami was one of the least explosive teams in America last year, and we were. And everybody said it's too early, it's too early. And then you saw the Texas A&M game and the rest of the season, and the actual the explosion on offense got worse throughout the season. Now that's part of part, you know, of uh, Tyler Van Dyke being injured and things like that. So you want to have the early season efficiency that we saw even last week, you know, the, uh, the success rates on the ground in the past, you know, being able to hit your markers for yardage and conversions, you want that to continue, but you also want to see 
more explosion in the passing game. And I know that Shannon Dawson said Miami, Ohio wanted to play coverage. They want to play cover four shell. They wanted to drop everybody back and not get beat over the top. And so he's like, fine, we're going to run the ball a whole bunch because you can't stop it. Texas A&M is going to try to do the best of both of both of those worlds because they believe with their five stars, you know, that they paid for like one of the greatest classes in recruiting history, uh, especially along the defensive line. Those guys are going to be able to get pressure and clog up the running lanes with just four without really having to commit linebackers or safeties into, you know, run fits and blitz situations, which will leave a full cadre of people to play pass coverage. So uh, you're really going to have to be strategic about dialing up shots. Tyler Van Dyke, I don't care if your hand is, you know, completely broken and crunchy like, you know, Rice Krispies treats. If you're back there, I need you to sit there in the pocket and rip some throws and you're going to have to hit those throws. It's going to take the Tyler Van Dyke of two years ago that was talked about being a first round draft pick to have a positive result this week. So there's a lot of things, but uh, not getting behind the sticks, not turning the ball over all kinds of things like that go into the game plan as well, but really finding the opportunities to take shots, hitting those shots and taking advantage of any and every opportunity to make an impact play. You talk about chunk plays. You talk about finishing drives. As I, as I remember reading back through your good, bad, and ugly, and I've I've always been a, a I take little nuggets from it, and I like to see the trends. Mm-hmm. One of the trends from the year before was not finishing drives, third down not so great, three for seven. You got to be able to finish those drives. Yeah, you want to come away with points. Yeah, you don't want to be too aggressive sometimes because games get tight. But who are some of those players? not named Tyler Van Dyke because we know he he's the trigger man. Who can he distribute the ball to uh, that can be that playmaker? I know Kobe Young had the 44-yard screen pass that, mm-hmm. by the way, he looks a lot faster. A lot. He, he looks a like, lot faster. I mean, he looks a lot faster. Yeah. But who are some of those players, whether it be a young guy, whether it be a seasoned vet, who are some of those guys that the rest of the world, because we're while we are a Canes family here, the rest of the world, they don't know yet. The number one is going to be Xavier Restrepo uh, in terms of, like, targets. That's Tyler Van Dyke's roommate. That's his um, security blanket over the middle from the slot. Uh, You know, that's a guy that Tyler Van Dyke loves to look at. And I know that, you know, that's kind of been to the consternation of some Canes fans um, that he will get zeroed in on Restrepo a lot. Um, he's distributed the ball around a little bit more than he had been doing in the past, did Tyler, but still, uh, you're going to start by looking at Restrepo. Now, especially if it gets to a leveraged situation, a third and eight, a third and 11, you're definitely on defense for Texas A&M. They're going to key in on offense number seven, Xavier Restrepo, because that's going to be the first read, even if it's not the first read of the play. In leveraged situations, that's the comfort guy. That's the guy he wants to go to. So that's the first guy to know. He's not the number one best receiver, but he's going to be in the progression so much because Tyler wants to look there, especially when things get tight. Um, I could see Jacoby George being a guy who could finally make a breakout. We've heard about that from spring practice, fall practice, the couple games here and there. He did have six catches in the opener, did Jacoby George. That's another guy you could look at. The aforementioned Colby Young. Um and then maybe one of the, the speed guys, a Brashard Smith, a Ray Ray Joseph, or a Bobby Washington, uh, probably one of the first two. Uh, but yeah, getting one of these small, fast guys that we do have on offense, but finding ways to get them 
into space. Hopefully, uh, Elijah Arroyo will be back at the tight end position. Uh, he did sit out the opener uh, just with a little bit of a tweak uh, in injury. So I would say those are the guys to look at really in terms of uh, playmakers uh, in the passing game. And in the running game, I just think that it's going to take some real big boy runs. And, you know, when the hole is there and the hole is going to be small, because those are some big athletic dudes that Texas A&M has up front. But again, we had almost five yards of carry last year. We, I think that we can find places to run the ball, but it's really going to take, you know, a, a real strong uh, um, performance from the running backs in each and every carry. Like you can't, there's no carry that they can take at half speed. Like, oh, I'm going to wait for my block. No, they got to go, you know, confidently in the direction of their dreams. Hopefully that hole's going to be there and they can get through, you know, uh, but everything has to be full speed. Everything has to be as physical as possible. But we do have a cadre of running backs that I think can make it happen if the offensive line can give them holes. Speaking of the uh, – and this is one of the things I, I love to bring in home field advantage for this offense. Uh, we'll flip over to the defense in a moment. This game's a 3.30 kick. It can get pretty hot down in South Florida. Does this advantage lean towards us? I know that Texas heat's a little different. It's mm-hmm. a little different, but this South Florida heat, the way it's been – the way it's been really all, all year, especially in the summer – we get a little bit of a, a lean, just a lean towards us. Our heat's a little different. It's a little more. It's gonna be it's gonna be wet, that wet, humid heat, just sucking the life out of those guys. And does is the rock rocking? Maybe Notre Dame like from the Mark Rick era, maybe. I think that's a bridge too far. A little too uh, far. Okay. Yeah, but in terms of the heat, yeah, it's gonna be. It's going to be fire hot at 3.30. Uh, and, you know, the opposing sideline is in the sun mm-hmm. because there's like that, you know, the the square hole of the roof of Done on purpose. Hard Rock Stadium. <laughs> Done on purpose where the opposing team, and this is for Kane's games and Dolphins game, the opposing sideline is in the sun. And so I know Texas A&M, they're going to be ready. They're going to have extra hydration. They probably will do what uh, I've seen a couple teams do is like bring their own tenting um, and the cold fans and things to try to mitigate some of that. Um and it gets hot in Texas, too. It's a different kind of heat, but, you know, they, they do have the 90 and 100-degree days as well. So I think maybe a minor bit, but I don't think that's going to be enough where, like, star players are going to leave the field cramping uh, and be unable to play in key moments. So uh, maybe a little bit of a home field advantage there. And regardless of if it is as loud as it was that night that Miami blew out Notre Dame in 2017, this stadium's going to be loud. It's may, You know, it might not be 100% filled. It might be, you know, 85, 90%, but Miami fans are loud. Mm -hmm. And with there being a roof, I know it's not a fully enclosed roof, but the construction of the updated Hard Rock Stadium does keep sound in there. And, you know, there have been many a person, many a a team, whether it's a coach, uh, you know, SID, a player, family, you know, people will leave out of there and say, hey, man. It was loud. It was hard to hear on third and 11, whether it was 80, you know, well, it doesn't fit 80,000 people, excuse me, but it was 72,000 people or if it's 47,000 people, it got, it gets loud in there. And I think that that's going to be uh, a key early on. And you saw even against uh, Miami of Ohio, which wasn't, you know, a fully, fully packed stadium, but they struggled to hear it a couple times. And I think that that will be a, a factor early excuse me, against Texas A&M. I don't know that it's going to last the entire game, but in key moments, 
Yeah, this crowd is going to turn up because this is the emotion of South Florida, of Hurricanes fans, and they're looking for something big to happen. And they're smart fans, too. They're not just going to be yelling and screaming on a random second and one. Look, get the yard, get your first down and everything, but that third and eight, that third and 11, you know what I mean? In the, uh, anywhere in the game. But those are going to be times where you're really going to feel the presence of the crowd at full throat. Doesn't matter if it, again, if it's 47,000 or 73,000, trust and believe when the moment needs it, they will be there and they will be felt. And then we'll see what the team does. Let's flip it to the defensive side real quick. So we know what we have at safety. We know we have Kitchens and Williams at safety. Uh, Cam Kitchens is, is, he looks like a first round pick. Let's just call it what it is. I'm going to stop you right there. There was a play on the Miami Miami of Ohio sideline last week. Guy mm-hmm. gained maybe seven going? or eight yards and just stopped. <laughs> and we were up there, and I was like, and I was like, wait, was that Cam Kitchens? I mean, like a Mack truck. He hit that man like a ton of bricks. And it's one of those things where it was a bigger running back than uh, safety. So you figure, okay, maybe at the point of contact, it's loud, and the guy falls forward. No, 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 my friend. He His momentum stopped exactly where Cam Kitchens hit him. So he's adding a level of physicality because I thought it was James Williams with that kind of a hit because mm-hmm. James Williams being five inches taller and 30 pounds heavier, I figured that kind of impact which was, you know, on the opposing sideline going away from the press box, I figured, okay, like you saw it, heard it, and felt it in a way that that was a bigger player. Nah, Cam Kitchens is a bigger and faster player than he even was last year as a first-team All-American. So I just want to throw that in there. If, in case we don't talk more about him, just know the best player on the defense is even better than he was last year. This safety, this tandem at safety, they're very versatile. They're not just a free safety playing deep middle, a big hitter. Uh, these guys can do a lot of different things, and they can, they're going to be felt. They're going to be felt, but we know those guys. The, the core where I think this, is, this has to happen, and it has to happen a lot, is this D-line. Now, I saw a mistake, and I will call it a mistake because a mistake happens when you, you just – you accidentally step on somebody's shoe or you bump into him. I'm going to consider this a mistake because if it ever happens again, I don't think his his playing time will um, continue being the same. One Leonard Taylor, uh, the same Leonard Taylor that had a lot of hype coming out of high school, and we see all of the potential, how dominant he can be. He had a atrocious, I think that was the word that you used for it, and it was very much atrocious, unsportsmanlike penalty where he's just in the ref's ear uh, they're holding. They're holding. They hold on every play. Get over it. Guess what? Texas A&M's line is going to do the same thing, and they're going to want. They and they know that. What, what do you think the old line coach is saying? They get in their ear. Get in his head. Get in his head. Make him do things he won't do normally. He's a hothead. They're going to grab you. What are you going to do? Cry to the ref? How dominant can this D line be against an offensive line that? Wasn't great, but they're solid enough and can can protect. Again, the offense defensive line is going to have to bring everything that they have. This is a leave it all on the field game. This is a legacy game. This is a draft tape game because you're playing one of the better teams, one of the more talented and athletic teams on the schedule this year. Leonard Taylor last week, that unsportsmanlike penalty was, I think Miami of Ohio had third and nine coming up. Uh, had he not had that penalty, so that was a big one, and 
yeah, I get it that like they're diving at ankles and they're, you know, twisting arms and they're doing those things. But like he for 10 seconds lost his natural mind, like really honestly did. Uh, and you cannot have that kind of a thing in a game of this magnitude. Um, hopefully he got that out of his system. I also think that he's probably in some better condition than last week because he probably had to do some up downs or some barrel rolls or bear crawls or whatever it was to work Absolutely. that off in practice Absolutely. you know what i mean but uh yeah we, can, we can't have any all those undisciplined kind of things and look there were 11 penalties eight of them accepted on miami of you know miami florida the hurricanes last week in the miami bowl you cannot have that you cannot have that kind of lack of discipline and try to re and you know reasonably think that you're going to beat a team like Texas A&M. And again, I don't even think that Texas A&M is a world-beating kind of group, but they're a damn sight better than Miami of Ohio. And you cannot give them free first downs. You cannot, you know, put yourself behind the sticks. You cannot have these kind of mistakes. So that needs all of those things need to get tightened up. Back to the main point of your question, though, defensive line has to eat. Akeem Mesador, Nigel Lee Kelly, um, who's taking a leap this year. That is Definitely my guy, good. number nine. I've been saying it since the spring. Like, if anybody says that they said it before me, they're a darn lie. Because the first time that I saw that man uh, in, I think, the first video of the Matt program before spring, I said, oh, yeah, he's he's taking that leap. But he played great in the opener. Um, Ruben Bain, true freshman, he can play inside and outside. He's playing well. Leonard Taylor, Jared Harrison Hunt. Um, you know, Jafari Harvey, who's a former starter, who's been usurped by Nigel Lee Kelly at one defensive end spot. But, you know, so you have basically three or four starting caliber defensive ends. You have, uh, you know, quality defensive tackles as well. A Branson Dean uh, transfer from Purdue. He played really well last week. There are guys with, you know, quality. So there's a high note quantity and pretty good quality along that defensive line, but they're going to have to bring their A game. It's going to have to be the best game that we've seen them play. And getting back to, you know, when Manny Diaz was defensive line coach and we had, uh, you know, Gerald Willis III wrecking shop in the backfield every single kind of a play. You know, when Clemson was dominant years ago, uh, you know, which seems like they're definitely not anymore because they don't have those same dudes <laughs> on the defensive line. But remember when they had, you know, they were rotating first rounders off the bench for year after year after year, and they were eating everybody's lunch, you're going to need to have that kind of game from this year's Miami Hurricanes defensive line. This is really a show and prove for them. This is really where Mario Cristobal and his uh, desired type of roster construction comes to fruition. Miami of Ohio's coach talked about somebody's missing the game this week for them because he got injured against Miami, and they had a whole bunch of guys getting in the hot tub and doing extra yoga and stretching and treatment because Miami whipped them at the line of scrimmage on both the hurricanes on both lines, offensive line took their lunch. And then they flipped around and came out on offense. And then Miami hurricanes defensive line took their lunch as well. And we're going to need that kind of physicality to not only happen when the Hurricanes have the clear talent advantage like they did last week, but in games such as this, where you need to, maybe even play a little bit over your head and really push things to be successful. This again, like I'm saying is a legacy game and it really falls down to the offensive line and the defensive line. And they're going to have to step up. And if they're not able to, that could portend issues for the hurricanes in this one. It is prediction time and you don't have to convince me. 
You don't have to convince me at all because you know where I, where my allegiances lie. Uh, but you do have a, a group of people out there that say Miami thinks they're back, and they always talk about how good they are. And then who says that? Mm. We don't say that. We don't. I it's know, we other people. It's it's national journalists who want to do hot take articles. Even guys that I'm friends with, they say we're gonna do an intentional overreaction article right and then they will say that and then opposing fans ascribe this again which is noted as an intentional overreaction it's tongue-in-cheek it is facetious it is not serious and they ascribe those things to the fan base we have not said that i have not said that Miami is back even in 2017 at 10-0 and 0 with Malik Rozier running, uh, you know, a quarterback. I said that season was smoke and mirrors and it was going to fall apart, and unfortunately it did. But, like, where, point me to the actual Miami Hurricanes follower, fan, journalist, beat writer who says that we're back. We are not the ones saying that. Everybody else says that we say that, but we're all looking around like, did you say it? Fred, did you say it? No. Hey, Cam, did you say it? No. So who the hell said it? Not us. I think what it is is they want us to be back so bad because so bad there was a time I've always said the Miami Hurricanes are the Raiders of the 70s if that's what we are we we everything we we start running through the smoke everybody does it come on everybody we have a turnover chain teams still do it shout out FAMU they still do uh, it even if you look even if you look back after the 91 Cotton Bowl where we had all them penalties, what was that rule that they instituted the next year? The Miami Celebration Rule, which still exists to this day. Excessive celebration and all those things. Yeah, they don't call it the Miami Rule anymore. But we know that when it came to inception in the you know, uh, January, February of 1992, that's the Miami Rule that still pervades over the entire sport. We're the innovators. We're the originators. And just like you said, hey, if you need a bu- if you need to hate somebody, hate on me. If you need a villain, I'll be it. I wrote years ago when we were looking at coaches in 2015 before uh, we hired Mark Rick about candidates for the head coaching spot, mm-hmm. and I wrote a piece uh, where I advocated for Lane Kiffin. I wrote many other pieces as well, but in that one, when I put the tweet out, I started the hashtag "Let's Be Jerks" because you know what, everybody hates us. And that's fine, because if you ain't us, then we don't need it. You know what I mean? And so it's us against the world. We will be that villain. Hate me if you want to. But let's be jerks. And everybody else is going to hate it anyway, so whatever. I might as well lean into it. I will be the villain that you do not like. I love it. I love it. By the way, when your rival said, and, and little brother, I'm, say, I'm saying this to you, Florida State, when you want to be like big brother, and you still, oh, we don't want to be like you. But you get a turnover bag, a little red bag. That was cute. That was real cute. Still want to be like Big Brother. But, yeah, everyone wants to be like us. So you don't have to convince me. But for the fans out there of other teams, and even if you don't have a team but you just love the sport, you got to convince those people. This game is a – the line for this game currently is at four points uh, for uh, for Texas A&M. What is your prediction? And give me an impact player. Uh, my prediction is a close Texas A&M victory. I think that this will be a step. This is going to be a moral victory game for the Miami Hurricanes. I think that we're going to show that we're getting towards competitiveness, but don't have the range to win uh, this kind of a matchup against a team as talented as we are. Um, an impact player, 
I didn't even get to him because we didn't talk about the corners, but wide receiver Evan Stewart for Texas A&M, that's a guy who keeps me up at night this week. That's a guy where mm. I look and say, I don't know that we have anybody on our roster who can stick him, who can run with him. And you're going to have to then tilt coverages. You're going to have to have either Cam Kitchens or James Williams floating over the top. You're going to have to do... I don't, you're going to have to do some exotic things because man to man or even, you know, two to one with the corners that we have on the roster this year, I see that as a massive. If you play like NBA 2K, you know how you get like the star ratings per player, like, you know, as you go through your <laughs> franchise or your season. Evan Stewart is like a five star, and I think that we got like one and a half, maybe two star corners. Like the mismatch is. As much of a mismatch as you'll see anywhere else on the field, and that is really what gives me concern. And when it comes to key moments, Connor Wegman, their former five-star recruit uh, starting quarterback, just like, you know, Tyler Van Dyke, like I said, for Miami, when things get, you know, uh, when, when when the game's on the line, he's really looking for Xavier Restrepo, who used to be a three-star. You know, Connor Wegman's looking for Evan Stewart, who's one of the best players in America. And that difference right there, I think, is going to bear itself out to be true. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go with Texas A&M by less than a touchdown. By less than a touchdown. Okay. I can't say I like it, uh, but I can definitely respect it. Uh, I know that is the analyst hat you have on right now because we know where you're – Real allegiance is lying. We know who who we who you really want to win. By the way, Evan Stewart is on my college football fantasy team. I hope you put up good numbers, sir. But I hope y'all don't win. Just saying. I I don't think that there's a world where like he doesn't put up good numbers, and I think that those numbers um are going to really have great efficacy this week. And like, yeah, do I want the Miami Hurricanes to win? Absolutely. Like as we're recording, I know that we're not on video, but like I'm wearing a Miami Hurricanes quarter zip pullover right now. Like I'm a 2004 alum of the university of Miami. Like I'm not sitting here rooting for Miami to lose, but I still, I pretend I'm from Missouri. I need you to show me that we mm. have the range to be able to beat this kind of a team before that I believe that we can because I uh, I don't think that we're there quite yet. Definitely don't. I, I agree with you there. I want to see more. Um, definitely want to see more from the offense. There was a lot of issues that I can see going back to that tape from the, the Miami-Ohio game. This is a building block game. Can you show? And if we just happen to win with house money, all right, cool. But I want to see the progress. This is the progress year. If we, if you give me eight and four, and then we go, if I get the trajectory that I got from Mark Rick, and I keep it going consistently, I'm happy with it. I'm more than happy with it. We will see down the road, Cam. Um, before we get you out of here, definitely gotta gotta promote your work. Make sure tell me tell the fans where they can reach you, uh, so that they can see all of your reactions throughout this game. Again, uh, we're going to be at Underwood Sports is my Twitter. Uh, I do live tweet the games at the State of the U. Uh, the website is stateoftheu.com. We will have our three stars from the game taken from, uh, you know, the good old world of hockey. We will have our game recap and always every week the Seminole, uh, sorry, Seminole um, piece of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, recapping everything in there. So please come on over and fan with us at stateoftheu.com and everywhere else that you can find us. Cam, you are always a friend of the show. Definitely hope to have you back again when the Canes are are ten and zero going into a bigger a bigger game. Hey, got to speak it into existence, right? Um, yeah, but definitely want to have you back on again at another at a later time, guys. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at CFB Overdrive. You can follow myself on Twitter at Fred Produce CFB. If I'm having a good day on Saturday, that means those Canes are doing their thing. If I'm if I feel like if, if my tweets sound like I need a drink. 
you know what happened. Uh, make sure you go follow my guy, Rick Brown. He will be back uh, for the for our picks and predictions on tomorrow. But until then, guys, stay safe and peace. Go Canes.